You're listening to Agency Dealmasters, brought to you by Bridge. This interview is brought to you by Account Insight, the B2B programmatic advertising platform for B2B agencies and brands. To find out more, head over to accountinsight.ai. My extra special guest this week is Michel Jubilier, the founder of the Society's Media. He is an expert in all things media, advertising, and programmatic. He's got such a fascinating background. He was there pretty much at the start of the digital advertising revolution in the newspaper industry in France, and has had a ringside seat to see how the world of media, advertising, and programmatic has evolved over the last 30 years. We talk about everything from the advertising market in France, connected TV, the media landscape dominated by Facebook and Google, and how traditional publishers are surviving and responding. We talk about racial discrimination that he's received and observed in France, and actually how he's persevered and overcome that to achieve some remarkable things in his own career. Stick around to the end of this show to hear my chat with Thomas Lint from Account Insight discuss the best bits from Michelle's interview. I'm just going to stop talking now and just say, without me keeping you in suspense any further, my conversation with Michelle Juvillier. My name is Nathan Anibaba, and this is Agency Dealmasters. Agency Dealmasters is a series of conversations with world-class agency leaders building great agency businesses. I believe everyone belongs in the growth journey, and this show is dedicated to the stories and the lessons of ambitious agency builders of all types by examining their history, competitive advantage, and what makes them tick. Now, let's jump in. My extra special guest this week is Michel Juvillier, the founder of the Society's Media. He has been in the media and advertising industry for over 30 years and was one of the first people to sell online advertising in France. He also runs the Programmatic Society, a weekly video program discussing all things marketing data and advertising programmatic. I'm very much looking forward to the conversation. Michel Juvillier, welcome to Agency Dealmasters. Uh, thank you, Nathan. It's a, a, a big privilege for me to be here. It's my first interview in English. Uh, and so uh, my apologies is my level of, uh, of English is not at the level of your expectation of the level of expectation of your uh, auditor. <laughs> you, you don't have to apologize at all. You can tell my French is bad by the pronunciation of your name. I hope I got it right. It's perfect. <laughs> okay, fantastic. Well, the fact that we're having this conversation in English and not in French speaks more to my lack of French than uh, than anything else. So uh, I appreciate you doing it. No, it's okay. So let's start with your history and background because you've got an absolutely fascinating um, CV. So at, at 21, you worked for a really popular daily newspaper in France and you were actually in the media industry right at the time when online ads were really starting to become a thing. Yeah. That must have been an amazing start to your career. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I had the uh, the opportunity to begin my to begin my career in nineteen ninety two at uh, the daily newspaper uh, called Liberation. It's the equivalent in, uh, in 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 England of uh, the Guardian, if I can do a comparison. Mm -hmm. And uh, Liberation uh, was uh, a, a newspaper uh, uh, as a sort of avant garde in terms of. Uh, uh, news regarding uh, internet and they created in 1994 the first website uh, in France dedicated uh, uh, to uh, information, to news, uh, to daily news. And uh, at this time, I was in charge of uh, uh, a newspaper section called uh, uh, Multimedia. And uh, I uh, did a proposition with uh, the editorial uh, chief of uh, multimedia section to create uh, uh, an opportunity for uh, advertiser to, uh, to 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 advertise uh, on the website, but also on the on the newspaper. It, it was a way for us to maintain uh, the project, the editorial project of uh, of uh, multimedia for talking about internet news. Uh, for uh, for the mainstream uh, public, if I can say that, mainstream audience 
of the newspaper. It was in 1984, and uh, it worked uh, very well be because after uh, that, in 1998, I was contacted by uh, Microsoft for joining uh, their, uh, their team uh, MSN, MSN France. It was uh, uh, a department dedicated for uh, editorial content for the portal at, the, at this moment in 1998. Uh, I'd, uh, I uh, created, I built the first sales team uh, uh, in, uh, in uh, MSN, in uh, Microsoft uh, France. And um, in 2003, I was in charge of the revenue of uh, MSN Messenger, that were the first uh, uh, personal, I would say, a personal uh, social network. And it was a, a wonderful uh, adventure uh, for me. So yes, for uh, uh, answering to your question regarding uh, the opportunity that I had in 90s, uh, yes, it was wonderful. At this time, it wasn't, uh, uh, um, it wasn't uh, extraordinary for me. Uh, I was perhaps in the... <laughs> in the mood, uh, in the in, in the mood of the of the market, and I didn't realize how extraordinary it was to be at 21 and after 27 years old, uh, at 21 in the top three newspaper in France as a, an, as an employee, and at 28 in uh, uh, in Microsoft after only two years after uh, my high school because I. My diploma is only a, a diploma two years after uh, the high school. And uh, it was uh, amazing to, to join Microsoft where you have a lot of people that did uh, very famous uh, big uh, business schools. That's super fascinating. So a couple of questions there that I want to ask you. The first one is, at that time, did you think that media and advertising and sort of online ads would sort of progress and become what it is today, would evolve into the kind of world that we have today? Yes, definitely. You did? Yes. I was convinced by the fact that desktop, but at this time, no mobile was uh, on, the, on the field regarding the market, but I was sure that desktop or screen, <laughs> will uh, the, the TV screen will be, replaced by another kind of screen. I was convinced by that because at this time, regarding my own, um, uh, my own way to, uh, to, to use uh, information on my computer and the fact that it was more and more a private uh, uh, way to, 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 to use media, uh, I was convinced that more and more internet could play a, a key role uh, for in the in the media history and the way that we will uh, that we would sell uh, advertising in the future, I was convinced. I mean, that's that's amazing foresight to see that. I mean, this is before the iPhone, before the iPad, and and all the modern uh, kind of laptops that we have today. It's amazing to see that foresight. So, um, so we're going to have a conversation today about. I guess the 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 current state of programmatic and, and media, especially in France and the French market, because it's something that um, we in the UK here don't have uh, as much access to as as, as we would uh, like. So let's start with maybe a description of the state of the of the French ad tech market as it stands today. You know, what does the industry look like? Who are the main players? Um, I'll let you choose what lens that you would like to come at it at. Um, but tell us kind of what the state of the French ad tech market looks like today. Yeah, um, perhaps as in, in the UK, um, 80% of the advertising investment in the digital industry, in the digital advertising industry, 80% uh, are uh, I, I made by uh, Google and Facebook. So you have only 20% of the revenue that are shared by several <laughs> publisher, premium, premium publisher. Um, 65% of the revenue uh, of internet, uh, of uh, advertising uh, internet in France is dedicated to uh, programmatic. Programmatic is a way to use a platform for uh, um, advertising uh, transaction between uh, a seller, um, a seller, a publisher, and a buyer 
an advertiser or a media agency. Um, in France, I would say that uh, the French advertisers are not uh, very, very comfortable with uh, the concept of uh, programmatic, the concept of uh, uh, use uh, about the, the way to use data for improving the performance. But you have more and more uh, good partners like uh, media agencies, but also uh, ad tech dedicated to uh, uh, dedicated to uh, um, data uh, data business, uh, programmatic business that can accompany some uh, advertiser for helping them to reach the performance that they want. Uh, that the reality uh, and the way works the French market for, for, for the moment. So you have a lot of money, a lot of opportunity, but also a lot of uh, players that sometimes can create some confusion in the brain of advertisers. And sometimes it's not very easy uh, for, uh, for, for some advertiser to be, uh, how to, I would say, um, to be uh, less conservative uh, as they are for the moment. Um, what is very important uh, for me, it was important to invite advertiser uh, to understand what programmatic is. And that's why I decided to create a, a permanent uh, video roundtable through a TV show called uh, The Programmatic uh, Society for helping them to understand uh, the stacks regarding programmatic and the opportunity of performance thanks to this new kind of concept in the advertising world. Agency Deal Masters is brought to you by Bridge, the growth-focused podcast agency. We help ambitious agencies talk to the right brands through the power of podcasting. Generate leads, win new business and increase reputation. Check out our clients' podcasts and find more resources to keep learning at bridgegrowth.org. Now, back to the show. So let's talk about the TV show that you produce. It's, it's a fascinating TV show. Not that I understand it much because it's, it's predominantly in French, but, it's, but it, it's there, are subtitles. English, yeah. there are subtitles. There are subtitles. So that's, that's my saving grace. Um, so, you, so you set it up in, in June uh, of this year. It, and it's, uh, it's the I, first... I created in June 2018, ah. 20, uh, in 2018, in three years ago. Okay. But this year in June, I created a new website called thesociety.media. That it's a way for me to gather all the previous uh, episodes of the Programmatic Society, but also to create new brands dedicated for e-commerce, like the e-commerce society, dedicated to innovation, innovation like the Innovation Society, but also for performance, uh, advertising performance, th thanks to a new uh, TV show called The Performance Society. So my objective with thesocieties.media is to be a sort of video platform as Netflix, but free, mm -hmm. uh, that, uh, <laughs> that is uh, dedicated, 100% dedicated to uh, advertising and marketing uh, concept uh, for, uh, for all kinds of um, audience, advertiser, students, even mainstream uh, audience, thanks to a new, um, a new uh, program that uh, will be uh, dedicated for explaining what's is what are the different uh, concepts in uh, digital advertising. And this TV show uh, will have the name of the Culture Pub. Uh, culture Pub, in English, it's Advertising Culture, Ad Culture. We'll put a link in the description after the show airs for anyone that wants to, wants to check it out. But going back to what you said earlier about the fact that, you know, 80% of the market in France, as it is in Europe and sort of the UK um, is dominated by Facebook and and Google, as as you would expect, and only twenty percent of the market are sort of independent publishers. How do publishers win in that win in that sort of environment with such dominance from the big tech firms? 
from my point of view, um, the big force of Google and Facebook is the simplicity for accessing to their platform for buying advertising. For example, in France, you have 2 million of advertisers that are uh, that buy uh, on Facebook. And there's 2 million of advertisers, 2 million of advertisers are small and middle-sized business companies, SMB companies. So that means that from my point of view, if in the future the premium publishers, the independent publisher, want to reach uh, this kind of advertisers, they have to develop their own self-service platform for helping SMB companies to buy for 20 euros per day advertising on their assets. I'm not sure if I'm very um, clear in what I'm saying. I'm just saying that if premium publishers want to reach a new step regarding the revenue, they have to improve the experienced clients uh, of, uh, the, uh, of the, a new kind of buyer for them for them that are SMBs. That's my, 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 my deep conviction. That's the first step, um, I think. The second step is also to develop a new way to work with uh, 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 big advertisers or media agencies, again, thanks to a self-service uh, system that can help them to increase the... Uh, the um, profitability of their uh, business and uh, and to be uh, to 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 increase the productivity and the creation of value uh, of their uh, of their uh, of their advertising products it's my conviction and uh, what is uh, and my conviction is the fact that um, you have different uh, um, uh, publisher in the US for example uh, like um, uh, TripAdvisor, TripAdvisor, or you have exactly uh, also Washington Post with a premium, uh, dust premium system. They increase for some of them 20% of uh, advertising revenue thanks to self-serve. It's a case also for Roku, another another uh, publisher. So for uh, um, answering for answering to your question, how to compete against Google and Facebook for independent publisher. I believe that self-serve is uh, the, a key, uh, a key point, a key answer uh, uh, to the to the question. Now, are, are these publishers? So, in Facebook and, and and Google's case, they they say that they don't want to take the role of media agencies. They don't want to be involved in creating the actual creative. Uh, the messaging for, you know, to target the actual individuals. Um, and that job should be held with the media agencies or the creative agencies themselves. So what role does creativity have here when you when you have the ability now with programmatic to be really highly targeted with who you want to go after relative to, I guess, more traditional um, sort of creative and, and advertising where it's more about the emotion, the emotive advertising, the emotive message. Talk about the balance between uh, a more rational message and, and, and a more creative one. To be frank with you, Nathan, I don't understand why people want to create an opposition between creativity and performance. For me, creativity uh, is at the service of the performance. Because even though you want to be very rational in your uh, in your uh, creation, because you prefer uh, to push a price, uh, a bonus, things like that, okay, it could work. But if you can reach the emotion of your uh, of your uh, of your audience, uh, you can multiply the effects of this emotion thanks to your creativity by using some targeting tools for being more efficient. But I don't think that we have to... It doesn't mean because we have... It doesn't, it's not because we have um, uh, some uh, targeting tool for reaching the right people at the right moments that 
the it is the end of the create of the advertising creativity. I I, I don't believe in this uh, uh, in this uh, in this theory. Um, even though you are because you can see, for example, that you have more and more e-commerce uh, player that are using television for their brand because what they want to uh, to push is a sort of uh, a preference of brands as we say as we say in French uh, préférence de marque uh, préférence of a brand because even though you want to buy a shoes but the shoes is the same price uh, at Zalando or another uh, e-commerce website if Zalando do on TV a very creative advertising with a lot of emotion, you will prefer to buy at Zalando. So creativity, even though I'm talking about TV, creativity is also important on other devices because on other devices, we use more and more video. And if you want to use video, even though you have a, a, a product or you are an e-commerce player, you have to use creativity to create some emotion and thanks to this emotion create a preference of brand for buying at your store rather than another one for example so that's that's really interesting so that leads us onto the question about the role of programmatic in in b2b is that the purpose of of, of programmatic in in b2b is are we are we doing that in b2b marketing to create preference for our brands because it's very unlikely that someone's going to see an ad online and then make a very expensive B2B purchase um, based on that, um, you know, based on viewing viewing that ad. What what role does programmatic play in the B2B sales cycle, nurturing cycle? And, and how are you measuring programmatic's effectiveness when it comes to B2B marketing? So the best way to uh, to measure the effectiveness of programmatic is the number of sales that you have uh, at uh, 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 an advertiser, uh, the number of shoes that you sell that you sold, things like that. Um, and I think it's a, the same measurement as before. The programmatic is here for increasing your efficiency to reach your objective. But the programmatic is not the alpha and omega of performance. I think that creativity is is really important. Uh, That's why I I took the example of um, e-commerce player that in France, for example, using more and more TV for create emotion and to create a preference of brand. So regarding your question about the way that programmatic uh, can be uh, efficient for uh, B2B uh, products, uh, I think it's the same, the same mechanism. Uh, Because even though uh, we are uh, a middle manager or top manager of a company um, as a potential client for B2B uh, companies, we have, we need to, we, we are human. And so emotion is very, very important. And even though on the B2B field, I believe that the creativity has to be uh, here and has to be, uh, has to shout <laughs> the fact that, uh, um, uh, to shout what, when I'm talking about to shout, it's about the fact that they have to push the way that they are different and to push their difference as a way to look after that client differently, for example. For example, regarding my uh, my TV show, I'm in, in, in the B2B field, for example, and my motto is giving soul to your B2B content for making your business funky. What does it mean? It means that we want to break the code, the traditional code of the communication on the B2B. And we believe that... Uh, um, that to, to use some uh, some uh, um, pop culture code as TV for um, for 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 bolding some B two B brand in the advertising field, for example, it's the right way to increase the preference of brand of sponsors that work with us. It's our conviction. 
Let's talk a little bit about connected TV because it's a fascinating, really emerging space. And it feels as though it's come at the right time with so many more people at home due to COVID and enforced kind of lockdowns, wherever you're listening from. There are more connected TV devices around than ever before. Talk about the opportunity that this presents to B2B marketers and advertisers in in general. So the connected TV in France is very particular because regarding the way that the people um, use uh, TV in France, we use TV mainly through the internet service providers. They give us a box and perhaps 80% of people use a box to uh, reach the uh, TV platform. It's not exactly what we call connected TV because in reality, the pure connected TV is your device directly connected to internet. In France, it's different. A lot of people are has perhaps connected TV, but their connected TV are not in reality active. They, their access is um, uh, on uh, thanks to um, uh, internet service provider uh, boxes, and uh, that is the way that uh, connected TV, if we could talk it like that, work in France. But yes, more and more um, uh, TV channel, TV companies, but also ad tech are involved in uh, connected TV because it's a huge opportunity uh, for um, for brands. It's a huge opportunity for increasing the precision of um, of targeting uh, for uh, for for brands uh, on uh, on TV. And uh, we are beginning in France to talk about that um, now. Talking about uh, a real advertising offer dedicated to connected TV is not yet the reality in France. Yes, you have some initiatives like uh, France Television, for example, that work a lot on this concept. But for being uh, clear, um, we are talking more about programmatic TV rather than connected TV. And uh, we we do the distinction in France, uh, for example, because of the reality of the market has the user are more connected to an internet service provider box rather than a connect a device a connected tv device that's the reality in france and and what opportunities does connected tv give to an advertiser over and above using traditional programmatic um, on the web? I mean, what additional data is is gathered? How much more insight can you get about your target audience using connected TV over traditional uh, sort of advertising resources. I'm, I'm just interested myself just to understand in a, in a household, let's say of four or five people, how can you tell who's watching the TV at any given time? There's lots of, um, I guess, uh, people are quite disconnected sometimes when they're, you know, when they're watching TV, sometimes they can be really highly engaged other times they cannot be highly engaged. W- what sort of data is presented to the advertiser about how best they can get in front of their target of audience? Um, so I would say that perhaps the programmatic TV is a, a little bit more open regarding the data that you can use. Uh, and perhaps in the connected TV, you are more in a sort of a wall garden uh, in uh, in the in the device, I'm not 100 sure about what I'm saying. To be clear, but instinctively, uh, I would say that uh, the programmatic TV offer perhaps uh, a different opportunity. I would not say more opportunities, a different uh, opportunity, because it's a way also to use uh, datas from other devices in your own ecosystem. For example, if you are a TV channel that use uh, podcasts, that use um, writing uh, content, uh, that use TV, and you can uh, uh, use the three uh, data's information from your users, um, I, I consider that programmatic TV can give you more precision by using 
all the opportunity, all the kind of uh, information of different um, media of your uh, of your ecosystem. Um, print. Uh, when I say print, I'm say write um, texts, uh, podcasts, uh, and and uh, and and video. But in the connected TV, perhaps you are only in the video and the and the information and the data are perhaps too focused on uh, information dedicated to the connected TV and not on the entire ecosystem of the media. It's a really fascinating space and I'm interested to see how, how the industry develops over the of the next few years. I, I know there's a lot of awareness um, and sort of interest in, in the market right now. So I'm interested to see how it emerges as we continue. L- last couple of questions before um, before we get to our favorite questions. I know that the diversity question has been one that has been top of many people's lips over the last two years, the, the death of George Floyd, Black Lives Matter. Um, there have been a lot of companies who have, I guess, come out in solidarity to the Black Lives Matter movement. I'm just interested to know how that conversation has gone down in France and um, to have a a French perspective on the show about the impact that BLM has had and the diversity and equity um, sort of movement uh, looks like in in France. First of all, I'm I'm going to talk about history. Uh, You say that France uh, did the revolution in uh, 1789. And um, France uh, has a philosophy um, of uh, liberty, fraternity, uh, and equality. So I don't know if it's the right word in English, but we have liberté, égalité, fraternité. But it's the motto of our republic. And uh, compared to the US, for example, uh, in France, discrimination on the, f- on the field of France was forbidden for 18th century. But in the reality, and my parents come from um, uh, French Caribbean uh, islands, there were slavery in uh, Guadeloupe uh, and, uh, and Martinique. And so in these territories, again, uh, you have a lot of, uh, how would say, uh, psychology um, traumatism mm-hmm. uh, that yeah. uh, rule the way that the uh, Western, French West Indian society work that the, the situation regarding the reality in France. To be frank, I prefer to be French rather than to be an American in <laughs> 60s. Perhaps <laughs> even an American in 2022. Wow. What I'm going to say, the fact that the French society doesn't institutionalize mm. the uh, discrimination. It's forbidden, in, for example, in 1920, for example, in a terrace of a cafe in Paris, you can have a black man and a white man. This situation wasn't possible no. in the US. At okay? the same time at all, no. So what I'm going to say regarding my industry and what I, what I live is the fact that you have the philosophy and you have the reality of the society. Mm. And the reality of the society is the fact that, yes, you have some discrimination in France, in the French society, okay? And regarding diversity uh, in uh, in the advertising uh, uh, industry, perhaps I'm going to be tough in what I'm going to say. Please. But (laughs) I think that there, there, there are a lot of hypocrisy, to be frank. Uh, if I decided to create my own company, it's not, uh, it's not, well, it's one of the reasons because I believe that in big companies, to be a part of the uh, managing, uh, direct managing board or the board of a company, of big company, I'm not talking about, uh, I'm not talking about uh, startups, right. uh, things like that. Mm-hmm. At tech companies are, uh, are more open, but big companies, uh, even in the technology uh, sector, 
I think that if you are not, um, if you are black, I'm going to say that, mm -hmm. uh, uh, it will be, uh, we have a French expression, we, we call it uh, the uh, plafond de verre. So, uh, sorry, I, uh, I forgot the name. But you have a sort of, uh, uh, of uh, um, glasses uh, uh, above a your head. A glass ceiling, right. Yes, exactly. That's what we call it here. You know? right. and so you can uh, see it, but you can't <laughs> physically get up exactly. there. Exactly. And I'm going to, to tell you something. Um, 15 years ago, I was a professor in business school. And there are, uh, there is a, in Paris a very a, a business school that I appreciate especially. It's called um, Ecole de Management Léonard de Vinci. Sorry to say it in French. It's a business school in mm -hmm. France. For me, it's perhaps one of the school with the most diversity that I never met. So hmm. one third are uh, uh, white, one third are uh, from uh, Asia, and one third are from uh, uh, North and uh, Sub-Saharan Africa and Caribbean uh, almost, okay? Huh. And when I saw that, I say, wow, it means that in uh, 15 years, uh, there will be a change in, sure. the, uh, in the ecosystem of yes. uh, the marketing side, etc. And 15, year, 15, um, so yes, 15 years after, what yes. is the, 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 the result? The result of the most people that were in Facebook, Microsoft, or other, most of them was the guy that were, sorry to say that, white yes. people. Interesting. And the other one was uh, in little startup, bare startup with a lot of uh, with a lot of uh, opportunities. But at the end, it wasn't. Uh, there wasn't in uh, the biggest company that I believe that could be uh, because mm. of their talent. And so, to be frank with you, yes, a lot of people are talking about diversity, but the diversity is true. For the operational uh, um, side of the company, sometime in the middle management of the company, but it's very rare on the governance of the company. So my main message for uh, people that are suffering be uh, uh, because of their ethnic, that are suffering as discrimination in big company is to uh, use new technology to create their own business. Mm. And it's exactly what I did from my point of view, uh, um, by my side. And uh, yes, uh, go to big company and you will be perhaps an operational and continue to learn sure. things. But after 30 or 30 years old, create your own company. And unfortunately, it's a very bad news that I'm saying that for the companies because we, you have more and more companies that are suffering of lack of talent. Yes. And sometimes lack of knowledge regarding new technology for using uh, advertising, for doing marketing sometimes. But... In France, it's because sometimes you didn't give chance to people, perhaps different, but very talented regarding the usage of technology to be a part of your board. And the problem is perhaps most, perhaps stronger in France than in the UK or in the US. Why? Because as I explained at the beginning of my argumentation, in France, we have... Um, um, a philosophy that say liberty, equality, fraternity. So no sure. problem in theory, but in reality, in the practice, way the society works, very different. It's not exactly the difference. And in the US, for example, you have quota. I think uh, you have a, we call it quota in French, but sorry, you have positive uh, discrimination. Positive discrimination. Yeah. Yes. Uh, it doesn't allow in France. For, for, for example, in France, you can't do ethnic uh, ethnic um, uh, survey. It's forbidden. So if you can't count, there is no numbers. And if you have exactly. no numbers about the problem, there is no problem. Sure. 
that's the easy way to get out of the problem. Exactly. But, because, but your but, solution is if they don't give you a seat at the table, create your own table. Exactly. And the technology is here to uh, help you to do it easily, quickly, and efficiently. Hmm. That's, uh, it's, my, it's my conviction. Absolutely love that. But, but it's a not, again, I would not, um, I, I, I dream, if I can talk about my dream, I prefer to see some people to join big companies rather than to create their own uh, business. But if the reality, if the fact that you don't suffer, be a creator. Yeah. That's very, very important for me. I absolutely love that. And I wish we had more more time more time to get into it. I, you know, my thing is that um, it, it, it would obviously be great if more people can set up their own businesses and become entrepreneurial, but not everyone is entrepreneurial. Um, there are some people that are just far better being operators within large, large businesses, but they should be given the opportunity to fulfill their potential. And that seems like it's just a huge shame and a, a waste of, of talent both for the individual and a waste for the company as well, who aren't able to access that that talent. So it's a it's a huge waste. Yeah, but to be clear and to be frank and to be fair, hopefully more and more because of in the marketing business and advertising business, there is more and more technical technical steps to do. Uh, you have the, the the industry is more open, but it's only for operational tasks less open regarding the governance uh, aspects of uh, of uh, of big company that's uh, that's my uh, own um, uh, analysis michelle we're going to have to get you back on the show and have just a separate conversation <laughs> about this because this can With go pleasure. this can run on and on but um but it's been an absolute pleasure having you on i'm going to I'm going to end the show as we do with all of our uh, guests by asking you our favorite questions at the end of the show. Uh, these are the questions that I ask all of my guests. So I'm, in, I'm excited to get some of your answers as well. First one, tell us about some of your early mentors. Who inspired you to think entrepreneurially in the way that you do? Who inspired your approach to media and advertising? Tell us about some of your early mentors. Uh, my mentors are... Uh... Barry Gordy. Wow. The creator of um, The Motown. Yeah. Oprah Winfrey. Mm. Even Oprah better, Winfrey. probably. <laughs> yeah. First <laughs> b- female billionaire. Yeah. Uh, Barry Gordy, Oprah Winfrey. The third is Walt Disney. Amazing. For his perseverance. Because at the beginning, it wasn't easy at all for him. Mm. And he believed in uh, his uh, dream even though his family story was very tough, uh, even though the beginning as a, a producer of movie was very, very tough in the, uh, in the 20s, mm. at the end, is, thanks to his perseverance, uh, he, 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 make, he make it, he did it. So mm. Barry Gordy, Oprah Winfrey, Walt Disney. Sorry, I didn't uh, use French uh, example because <laughs> unfortunately it's, they are not famous in the UK, but I have once. I have a different one. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure you do. I'm sure you do. Those are three great examples, by the way, and all have had their own stories of perseverance. So uh, we can learn so exactly. much from all three of them. I lo- love that. Um, Amazon Prime or Netflix, what are you watching or streaming that's good? I, I, I love to watch uh, uh, Netflix, but I have a, 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 there is a series that I'm looking at now is Succession. Ah, oh, brilliant. I can highly recommend it, definitely. <laughs> um, last couple of questions. What advice would you give to a young person or a millennial who wants to start their career in media and, and programmatic? Just do it. That's my advice. Just do it. Believe in you, just do it. Short and sweet. <laughs> and my final question, my final question, Michelle. What is it you know about the world of media and advertising today that you wish you knew at the beginning of your career? As I, I told you before, uh, I believe that uh, the advertising world and the, uh, and the media world will change with uh, 
new screens and it was a re- and, and now it's real we have different screen we have our own screen and you are, we are our own uh, editorial uh, chief in terms of program that we want to see mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and i believed in it 30 years uh, after uh, after 30 years uh, is here 30 years ago i believe in it and now and now that that vision is here. It, it's, it really is fascinating to see. And it's, it's going to be interesting to see what the next 30 years looks like. Um, Michelle, it's been fascinating having you on the show. Thank you so much for doing this. Thanks to you, Nathan. Thanks for your invitation. And thanks for this experience of my first uh, English-speaking uh, interview. <laughs> we have been speaking with Michelle Juvillier the founder of societies.media. If you enjoyed this conversation, then head over to Apple Podcasts where you can listen to over 160 such conversations with world-class leaders in the agency space. Follow us on LinkedIn, head over to agencydealmasters.com and sign up to our weekly email newsletter to make sure you never miss an episode. We would be unable to do this show without our very own dealmasters. Tyler Baller is our booker. Christoph Boaszczyk is our executive producer. I'm Nathan Anibaba. You've been listening to Agency Dealmasters. Thomas, we just had a fascinating conversation with Michelle Juvillier, educating us about the French ad tech market. Really fascinating guy, amazing background. He's really helping B2B marketers understand the importance of performance and IP targeting. What did you take away from the interview? Well, first of all, Nathan, I have to praise Michel Dubli for becoming or being this explorer and entrepreneur. And just the fact that he has decided to create a television program, uh, or it's online, yes, but a program, programmatic society, fantastic to create such a scene, uh, making tech more approachable, understandable, teaching the market how to break new ground and how to to uh, to approach this more uh, technical, difficult uh, dimension of marketing today. Uh, I think it's very, very fascinating and uh, just what a cool guy, what a cool guy. Agreed. Really fascinating guy. To be honest, it, it might be my lack of, of insights, but I haven't really heard about anyone else that has been so focused on educating the market. Of course, there is a lot of tech gurus and, and, and keynotes and everybody uh, out there uh, talking about tech and, and marketing at, at all time. But I, I don't think I've seen someone embracing that that role as clearly as Michelle has done. Agreed. And another thing that we touched on was the absolute dominance of the, the big tech players, Facebook and Google, when it comes to advertising across the internet i mean how do the smaller publishers compete when the market is dominated by the biggest tech companies in the world well it is a really a hard struggle but coming back to the programmatic society actually one of the ways for publishers and advertisers but publishers in particular to actually get through is actually through programmatic because due to the programmatic setup where you do not have to be in contact with the single publishers as you did in the old days. In the old days where you only had uh, magazines and, and newspapers and stuff, uh, then you have to also be called before programmatic, you have to get in touch with them. You had to say, well, I would like to buy this many impressions or, or, or page five or whatever, and you, you would you would make a deal. And that was what was done at both at brands and, and at, at media agencies in particular. But when programmatic came around some 20 years ago, it really changed the equation because it suddenly made it possible for smaller publishers, for niche publishers, to provide access to the market so that a big company didn't have to, a big agency didn't have to talk to a, a small niche player on the internet. And I think it's because of that that you see so much niche content on the internet compared to what you see in print because there is no market for that in print. But online, there is. So it's about how do you match the viewers and the readers 
and the advertisers in that. And, and the easiest way to do that is, to be honest, uh, actually uh, through programmatic because it, it, it allows the marketing uh, systems, we could call it, but the marketplaces to get access. And, so, and, and, and in our context, account inside context, where it's about identifying companies' internet behavior and, and find uh, visitors coming from specific comp- companies to, to be honest, any website, but then we also write, we like to, to restrict that to, to be more relevant context-wise. But it makes it possible for us to use the, the programmatic access to small niche, very interesting, uh, relevant contextual domains, uh, but use that uh, in connection with, with the client campaigns that, that we are running or assisting with and connecting the, the, the advertisers with with the users or with the companies they are targeting at the right place, meaning at domains that maybe not many people knows about, but they are there and maybe have the more the most relevant content available on the internet. And for us to to call out and make deals with all sing all small publishers, that would never happen. But programmatic has really, really opened that door and say, well you have an open door to the market. You don't have to negotiate one on one. Maybe you want to do that time sound for the big ones, but you have an, an access to the open market and through that you can create a more relevant uh, marketing campaign uh, connecting what is read about, what is what is seen and what is communicated through the ads because the ads is not the essential part. It's the content that is the essential part. And then we try to, to mix it up together and to create more relevance in that. And with more relevance, you'll get better performance. And then we're getting back to being creative and, and, and using partners in that tech to increase performance. And it's mainly done that way. So programmatic has been a way to increase performance, but has also been a way to create a broader access to the, to, uh, to the market, to the internet. And it's probably because of programmatic that we see a sole broad variety of, uh, of medias on the internet. You are listening to Agency Dealmasters, brought to you by Bridge, the growth-focused podcast agency.